Hello, and welcome to the Formal Review. Today, we'll be talking about the 2022 film, The Batman. Now sit back, relax, grab your drinks, and let's talk about this movie. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to the Formal Review. Now, this is the beginning of Season 5, and I thank you all for tuning in once again. Yes, this episode is coming out before the Oscars, but I already did my Oscars episode at the end of the last season, so you can go and check out all my predictions on that. But in this episode, we're starting off the season with a bang, and that's going into the 2022 film, The Batman, and then ranking it among the other Batman films that have been released. Now, I know I talked about this already on the big screen breakdown podcast with my colleague Mikey but I wanted to go into a full analysis here of the film and why I think it is such a great film and cover some things that I didn't cover on that podcast so stay tuned Now, before I go into anything, I do want to preface this episode with a slight spoiler warning. I will do my best in the first little bit to keep the analysis fairly vague. However, I will be going into a full analysis of the film at the latter part of this episode, but I will put a warning there. So if you do have any issues with spoilers, I would suggest stop listening at that point so that you can not ruin the movie for you because I will be going into heavy spoilers at that point because honestly, there's just so much to talk about and frankly I can't hinder myself at that point but I will be going into just like a basic analysis before that but if you really don't care just keep listening on also I know I talk about this at the end but the data shows that most people don't listen to that part so I want to talk about it here and reiterate the importance of leaving reviews on your favorite subscription services I do read those because I do want to grow because these episodes are really for all you listeners out there and I want to keep this entertaining so what do you want to hear do you want to hear games do you want to hear more of the 4k stuff do you want to hear me talk about a certain movie if you want to come on and talk to me about something for you want to debate i'm always open to do stuff like that so you can always reach out to me on social media i always want to grow and improve and just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved so if there's something that you want me to improve on let me know and i will grow as such so let's get back to the movie at hand so let's sit back relax grab your drinks Let's talk about this movie. Batman is a superhero film based on the DC Comics character, Batman. It is a reboot of the Batman film franchise and was directed by Matt Reeves, who also wrote the screenplay with Peter Craig. It stars Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman alongside Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Skarsgård, Andy Serkis, and Colin Farrell. The film sees Batman, who has been fighting crime in Gotham City for two years, uncover corruption while also going after the Riddler, who is played by Dano, who is this serial killer who targets Gotham elite. So, quick backstory here. So, the development of the Batman film began after Ben Affleck was cast as Batman in the DCEU back in 2013, and he was signed on to direct, produce, write, and also star in it. But then he had some reservations about the entire project. He also was dealing with some personal 
personal stuff with it and also the whole big thing with Zack Snyder's vision for the overall DCU, the whole controversy there. He eventually ended up dropping out. So then Reeves took over and then reworked the story and removing some of the DCEU connections and that's one thing that is really great about this film. Now the production for this film began very early on but it was disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic which began basically two months after the filming had started. When this happened, Warner Brothers didn't want to suspend shooting of the film, however it obviously also did so in March of 2020. And at the time it thought that it was only going to be for two weeks, but then filming had been suspended indefinitely on March 25th. And then it was unlikely to restart until mid-May, and then it was pushed back to April, and then the release date was then pushed back to October 1st, 2021. And at the time of the suspension, about a quarter of the film was completed, and it supposedly helped Reeves look over the footage to help plan for the rest of the film. Now, he didn't change the script anything, but he then used the time to really explore the tone a lot more. Then, by September 3rd of 2020, they started filming, and then it was put on pause again after Pattison tested positive for COVID-19. They ended a two-week quarantine, and then Reeves actually became so concerned that he wouldn't be able to finish the film if he contracted COVID-19 so he actually started wearing a mask, scuba goggles, and a head covering on set. So then on September 17th, Pattinson was cleared and then they started filming again. Now at this point the film basically had three more months of filming but was expected to finish by the end of 2020. But then around October the film's release was pushed back again from October to March 4th, 2022 and then production wrapped on March 13th. 13th, 2021. Fast forward to March 4th, 2021, and here we are. The film at this point has grossed over $603 million against a $185 to $200 million budget, and as of now, it is the second highest grossing film of 2020. Now, it's not really the biggest flex because it is only the end of March, but that is still something to be said, especially when we are still in the midst of a pandemic. But anyway, so live-action DC films have really struggled for a while to get the material right. Yes, there's been good movies, but were they representative of their source material? Not really. Yes, they had pieces of it, but there was always something missing. One thing that the MCU has mostly done well is keeping true to the source material, for the most part. It's really easy to see that Marvel has really analyzed and cared about the source material, and knowing when to stray away from it, and when to stick to it. Now, The Batman is the first live-action DC movie where the director and the writers all understood who and what The Dark Knight is from start to finish. And this is shown through the plot, the acting, and the cinematography that really show how this film is the quintessential Batman film with only minor issues. The film really takes inspiration from detective thrillers like David Fincher's Seven and Zodiac. It also takes some inspiration from John Copper's Halloween and also Stephen King's Christine. Reeves did an amazing job showing Batman's connection to the thriller genre, but also the horror genre. And this is important because Batman has had villains that have been illustrated with barely nightmarish qualities. Robert Pattinson did an amazing job at understanding 
the character and then the mannerisms that accompanied Batman. He walks in a similar way to the 1970s monster Mike Myers stalking his prey, which starts at the first sighting of Batman. And then additionally, one of the first opening sequences is when we see the viewing of a scene through the eyes of the Riddler. And that's done very similarly to John Carpenter's Halloween. The rest of the cast was also really, really fantastic. Paul Dano as the Riddler is intimidating. He's very, very different, obviously, than almost any other villain that we've shown before, but he doesn't outshine Batman in any way. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman is also fantastic. Her version of the character has a lot of really great chemistry with Pattinson's Batman, which really speaks to their relationship. It is professional, but there's also this really emotional connection between these two. And and it really shows how similar they are, but also how different they are. And I'll go more into that in the spoiler section. The biggest highlights though, really Jeffrey Wright as Gordon and also Andy Serkis as Alfred. These two actors did a really fantastic job at portraying these characters, especially Serkis. He is a fantastic actor and really is able to provide a lot of emotion in the characters that he plays. Frankly, I'm surprised that he wasn't even nominated at all for his his role as Caesar in the other Matt Reeves films. However, even so, he does a fantastic job here. And Jeffrey Wright as Gordon really emulates the greatness of all of these smaller characters is that when you're watching this film, there are so many moments that you can go, look, that is such a Gordon thing to do, or that is such a Catwoman thing. There's so many moments like that that you can say for every single character in this, and each one of the actors plays each moment absolutely phenomenally. To go much more into it is spoiler, and I will cover that more so in the spoiler section of this episode, but in short, it does they do a really good job with portraying this side of Bruce. 40X-wise, there were some really cool rain effects in this film, some cool wind effects, gunshot effects that really show how 40X worked. And it was really a great example of what 40X is, but also keeping the film itself what I mean that is that this 40X is not really the most intense viewing that I've seen, such as with the second Venom film, but it still was one of the best experiences that I've ever had. The most fun aspect was the Batmobile scene, and you could very much tell that it was very much inspired by Stephen King's story of Christine, which was adapted by John Carpenter to a film. If you haven't seen that film or read the book, Christine is this car that really can sometimes murder people even without a driver. And this sequence, felt more immersive than when I saw the film in Dolby Cinema. And this is not to talk down on Dolby Cinema, but it just felt better in 4DX. And this is because you're moving with the car. Additionally, there were some really cool small elements, such as when the Riddler wraps his first victim's face in duct tape. There's this pan up that the seats do with the camera. And then you also feel every bone cracking punch in every takedown. Again, it's one of the best experiences that I've ever had, even without huge action sequences. Cinematographer Greg Frager does an amazing job putting this simple image on screen, and this dark and gritty feel of Gotham really combined with the music that really doesn't overpower these scenes is fantastic. The city is dirty and corrupt and the film captures that aspect perfectly. The score is also amazing but film isn't perfect. Issues that I have honestly are fairly nitpicky and if you can't really get over that then it can hurt the overall story a little bit. But, all right so that is the spoiler free analysis. That's it. It's good. 
go watch it. Now on to the spoiler section, because frankly, when discussing this entire film, you have to go into spoilers. But like I said in the beginning, if you have issues with that, go watch the film, come back and listen here. But if you really don't care about that, just keep listening on. So the film starts off with a Batman voiceover discussing his quote unquote experiment, similar to a cop in a film noir doing that final case before retiring. Now, for those who don't know, film noirs tend to have this convoluted storylines with crime, usually murder, being an element of almost all of them. Additionally, greed and or jealousy are frequently the criminal motivation as it was in this film. Now, the film noir genre usually revolves around flawed and morally questionable heroes. They're usually alienated people and they're usually have this existential bitterness. Other archetypes that are in the genre are detectives, femme fatales, and corrupt policemen. These stories are usually about pessimistic people who believe that they're in this unwanted situation and do not care what happens to themselves, even if it leads to their doom. This is Batman. And the film shows that from the beginning. Now, with a hero, obviously comes a villain, and this villain is the main character villain. And I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. Now, the Riddler hasn't really been in a live-action film since Jim Carrey's portrayal in Batman Forever. And from the get, this is a very different character. The film first shows the Riddler brutally murder a mayoral candidate with a carpet tucker. He then leaves notes and riddles for Batman to use him as essentially a tool to show the world how bad Gotham really is. And that is the true villain of this film, Gotham. This film really shows how Gotham has shaped the people of it in three ways. And the film aligns that with the Riddler, Batman, and Selina Kyle. Now, all three of them were created by the failures of the Gotham institutions and also the social structures, which in theory are meant to hold them together. But unfortunately, they become split in their identities. And this really does become somewhat of an allegory for contemporary American political ideologies. Now, the three characters are all orphans. They all essentially feel invisible and have different views on life and vigilantism. At the beginning, Batman thinks that he this horror and that he is vengeance and reacts violently to really punish the low lives of Gotham. Now the Riddler views Gotham as this lost cause and he attempts to destroy everything and that's really similar to a political extremist. Now what's interesting is that his ideology isn't right wing or left wing and he does have similarity to underground supremacy movements with his mask and lack of personal life outside of a social media and the proclivity toward violence. He is an extremist but his view is based on his upbringing in the orphanage. While not detailed, the film does state that he had a troubled life in comparison to Bruce's lifetime as an orphan and this is the basic idea that establishes his reasoning to work within the film. Additionally, it is more developed in the prequel novel to the film. Now I know this isn't to be used in the film's story as it shouldn't be required to fully understand the character. And that's why this basic idea works within the film by itself. And the reason why I'm going over here is because the full backstory supplements that as well. We know that he was in the orphanage that the Waynes donated and where Thomas Wayne announced his run for mayor. We see images that connect the Riddler to having this resentment toward the Wayne family. This is what drives him to go after them and then the corruption in the film. Now in the novel, his character gains additional reasons for this resentment. He's shown to attending the same school as Bruce Wayne, but unlike him, he's not popular. He's bullied and he's called names like Ed Weird. Then when the Waynes donated their manor, they have this family photo right at the entrance of the orphanage, which constantly reminds him of this Wayne charity. This then adds more to his resentment towards Bruce and his privilege 
Edward's family. Now, Edwards then showed that he's trying to save money to study forensic accounting because, it, quote, it sounded like solving puzzles. And this is how he learns more of Gotham's corruption. Again, and this is said in the film, but this is more supplementing that as well. So this isn't me filling in the holes. This is said basically in the film. Edward has worked hard, but has never really felt that he was able to get ahead. And he sees the Waynes as privileged and that Bruce wasn't an actual orphan because of it. His views are essentially showing that the far left and the far right aren't so different in their lust for blood and war through the sacrifices of life for some subjective quote-unquote greater good. He's acting in the same way as Batman. He's bringing his own form of quote-unquote justice to the guilty, but his problem is, is that his final act of flooding Gotham is punishing the innocent and poor. And he essentially represents Gotham's really horrific side, but also it's thirst for vengeance. He and Batman aren't so different. And this is even similar in the way that their masks are shown in the film because if you look at the nose pieces of both the Riddler and Batman, their masks are just so very similar. And because one of Reeves's goals was to show an outfit that was homemade, you can really understand that both of these masks are homemade, or at least DIY. And at least with the Riddler, you know that he got it from a military store. And then if you again look at a lot of the Batman outfit, a lot of it is also military looking. And again, this similarity is shown through how they attack their first victims in the film. They both attack criminals, with Batman going up against a robber gang member, and Riddler going up against a corrupt politician. Their brutal beatdowns are even very similar to each other in their movement. And this is another two-sided aspect of another film that inspired Reeves, 1978's Taxi Driver. Now in that film, Travis Bickle is willing to kill both pimps and politicians, but he's only successful in the former. As such, he's thought of more of as a hero, but if he was fast on the draw, he would have been also thought of as a terrorist because of killing that politician. This again is the Batman and the Riddler. They are both bad things, but because Batman attacks robbers, he's looked at as more heroic, but his methods aren't that much different than the Riddler's. Such an amazing way that Reeves takes inspiration from many different types of films that really differentiate it from other directors who are more obvious with their story taking almost the exact same story of an older film and placing Batman characters in them, such as the Joker with Scorsese's Taxi Driver or Dark Knight and Heat. It's one thing to take inspiration from many different films, add in certain things, but it's different when the story is too similar to not differentiate the two. And I think what Reeves also does well is that he decides to avoid showing the death backstory that most Batman films show. And this was done well in comparison to the MCU Spider-Man films because that's something that I personally have had a really big problem with so why is it that the way Watts did it dumb the way Reeves did it smart well Watts essentially removed the importance of the Uncle Ben character only to bring it back in No Way Home but in Aunt May he's referenced in passing and then on her suitcase that's really it we don't see any emotion from the characters connected to that part of Peter's life it is a key part of Spider-Man and its importance is shown because they recreated it in No Way Home. But up to that point, you don't see how that affected their life. 
lives at all. The difference is that the Batman doesn't shy away from showing the impact that the Waynes had on Gotham and how the death affected Bruce. The central plot of the film surrounds two main points. One, the immense corruption of Gotham at its heart, which comes from the Wayne family history. And then this leads into the second plot point, which is how the Riddler is a serial killer whose victims are major police and political figures in Gotham. This movie is again set in year two of the quote-unquote Gotham project. Batman is young, has no sidekicks, he's fighting crime and trying to keep Gotham really from tearing itself apart. Psychologically, he's also doing it to prevent himself from tearing himself apart. He is a vigilante and is doing whatever he can do to make sure nobody experiences exactly what he did. So the two biggest qualities of Batman are the duality of Bruce and Batman and then the detective. While the majority of actors take a similar approach to the character of the Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne is usually shown very differently. He's usually portrayed as this billionaire playboy, but in this film, it's very different. The film shows how Bruce's choice to become Batman is a true case of PTSD. And if you have symptoms of this, you try to deal with problems in a way that cause potentially more harm than good. This is called negative coping. And negative coping means you use quick fixes that may make a situation worse in the long run, such as substance abuse, avoidance of others, and reminders of the event, being always on guard, anger and violent behavior, riskiness, overworking. You see how these things are very connected to what is shown on screen for Bruce and Batman. Now, Bruce is essentially addicted to being Batman because he's coping with the trauma of losing his parents at a very young age. And this fully exemplifies that Bruce essentially died in that alley with his parents. And that was the night that Batman born. And this is why Reeves chooses to limit the time that Bruce Wayne is shown. Now Catwoman represents a part of Gotham that will never change, which is the past. She has this tough life, but only wants to do what she needs to do to survive. She may take down people, but she never crosses that line of killing even though she does get close. Batman knows what will happen to her if she does because he has felt that same thing. And this is why he does what he does. The film questions essentially which brand of vigilanteism is the most effective. The Riddler wants to get rid of the city and corruptions and attempts to wash Gotham clean to start over? Or is Catwoman removing the wealth and power of the rich white men so that she can save the scraps of Gotham that matter to her? Or is it Batman pushing himself to take on the underworld to stop any more potential Wayne tragedies from occurring? Batman essentially is questioning whether Batman works because he's essentially putting a bandage over Gotham's wounds. Beating up criminals may save a life, but it doesn't really stop the bigger systemic problems that Gotham has and thus give rise to these symptoms. However, by the end of the movie, Batman realizes that his methods and the Riddlers are similar and that he needs to change. This goes back to even his father figure being a physician. He realizes that he has to become Gotham's hope and potential for systemic change. He has to treat the overall problems instead of just being a band-aid. He has to balance Bruce Wayne and the Batman better. He will have to return to the public eye and create change beyond just charitable donations of either fighting or money. And this film does a really great job of showing why all three of these characters are not really wrong in how they view the world. And then the film doubles down on this 
with the Riddler's methods. Now the film states that Bruce was not interested in what was going on with his own father's charitable fund. However, thanks to the Riddler's moves, he discovers he's being misused. Riddler's methods are really problematic, but it does get results. Additionally, the dynamic of Batman has with both Catwoman and Gordon shows that even though this is the Batman, it's really again about Gotham and the world that it's in. And this is really because cinematographer Greg Frazier did a really fantastic job at creating this concise visual film with fairly simple shots that are providing these big over-the-top flashy scenes. And it's really gorgeous to the eyes even with the simplicity. It allows the viewer to focus on the story rather than the spectacle. Additionally, Reeves and his production designer used Glasgow, Liver, and Chicago to show that this rainy city is even similar to the future dystopia of 1982's Blade Runner. And the gritty feel of Gotham combined with the music that doesn't overpower the scenes is great. And Michael Giancchino's score again is amazing. It has also Nirvana something in the way as a somewhat theme song, but it, that in itself is even tied in with the character. It's obviously in the trailer, but it's also a song that Bruce himself listens to and then turns down in the film. It's not just a random song that they play over a sequence. And then the score itself has hints of Shirley Walker's score in Batman the Animated Series along with the Hans Zimmer vibe from the Nolan films and again this is Batman at his darkest visually and also musically and really Giacchino knows how to make this new score while giving fairly subtle homages to the older film. By listening to the score there's this dividing line again between Bruce Wayne and Batman and this is why Batman returns for the funeral the music is more hopeful than in the other scenes. Bruce has this more hopeful theme even with this touch of sadness whereas the other side is more intense and dark and again this is this one of the key qualities of Batman. Bruce has this inner conflict to figure out how to respond to his parents' death. He wants to avenge them, but knows that any other pain he causes will not bring them back. And this separation of these two characters really shows the difference between the two selves, essentially as one being Bruce Wayne and the other being the vigilante Batman. Now this film is really about Bruce figuring out those two aspects. Now similar to in Robert Louis Stevenson's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Jekyll describes Hyde as a, quote, more express and single than the imperfect and divided countenance that I had been here through a cup to call mine. All human beings, as we meet them, are commingled out of good and evil, and Edward Hyde alone in the ranks of mankind was pure evil. Now Batman versus Bruce is not really good versus evil in the same way as Hyde versus Jekyll, but rather it is a hope versus revenge. The key is in the word pure. Bruce is pure hope and Batman is pure revenge, but they both make up the same person. And this is the duality that is being pulled in the two directions fighting the other for control. Now from a f and this duality is important because Batman is human at the end of the day. This film shows the audience a more humanistic Batman on multiple levels. The first is the physical level as there's plenty of times where Batman struggles. Unlike the prior live action versions of Batman, Batman is not only shown to have a few bru bruises 
that hurt and then that's it. This film has one scene where Batman is being chased by the cops after being knocked unconscious by a bomb. He is then scared before jumping off the police tower only to hit himself on a bridge. This makes him limp, whereas the only limp that the Dark Knight Rises had showed was for reasons unknown. Then in the final battle, Batman is shown to inject a chemical into his body after being knocked down thanks to a shotgun to the chest. While the chemical itself is not really revealed, it's most likely a venom-like chemical as it provides very similar attack method that he does at the beginning of the film. Again, this is showing the addiction problem that Bruce has. At the end of the day, Bruce eventually may be the world's greatest detective, but he suffers here as any human would. And this, again, goes into the next big quality of Batman, and that's his detective prowess. And he relies on essentially his own scientific knowledge, his detective skills, and his athletic prowess to beat his weapons. He is one that does come from an extreme amount of wealth to get access to advanced technologies, which then also helps him get some advantage over enemies. But again, he is regarded as one of the world's greatest detectives. If one Googles world's greatest detective, Batman is comparable to Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Perot. The latter two people are the best detectives in classic English literature. And for Batman to be comparable to them shows his level of intelligence. Now, a detective is defined according to the dictionary as a, quote, a person whose occupation is to investigate and solve crimes. And this is one of Batman's best qualities. When watching any Batman-related film, the question that needs to be asked is what crime is Batman trying to solve? A crime is defined as, quote, an action or a mission that constitutes an offense that may be prosecuted by the state and is punishable by law, end quote. Now, unlike the prior live action films, he solves the mystery of the Riddler. However, in the film, he is not able to stop the Riddler's ultimate plan. A detective finds an explanation for things, though they don't have to be successful in stopping the antagonist. They can be, but like real life detectives, not every crime is stopped, such as the Zodiac Killer, or in David Fincher's film version, Zodiac or Seven. The villain sometimes will win. And that's what happens here. And I could go into here the actual differences, but basically the actions that he goes through here is to find out who this person is. And he does that. The difference here is, for example, if you really want to compare the Dark Knight and this film on this aspect. Yes, in that film, he does some of the aspects with the bullet, but that was not a World Greatest Detective moment because that aspect was being done for the Joker controlling him. In this film, the Riddler is not doing it to control Batman. He is doing it because he thinks that they're working together. It is very different because Batman is still going after his own method. Whereas in The Dark Knight, he looks like a fool because he fell for one of the Joker's tricks. In this, he wasn't falling for the tricks because he still got the goal of arresting the guy that he wanted to arrest versus arguably the Joker succeeded in his whole thing and Batman just 
looks like a goof. It's not that much of detective work because he is just being controlled the entire film by the Joker. Whereas this film, he's not being entirely controlled by the Riddler. The Riddler thinks that they are working together, be so, and they have the same goal. He is giving him clues to say, okay, I'm gonna be here and you should do this because it would really help me out. Not, I'm doing this to be in opposition of you. The point of the story is for Batman to fail. This is what pushes him to realize that he has become a symbol of lawlessness and anarchy in Gotham. Batman was a symbol for crime and disorder, but with a rebirth or baptism by both him and Gotham City, they can both begin again but better. However, again, no movie is perfect. The Batman does have one small issue. There's no real explanation really for how he gets all of his equipment. One could argue that again, it's from money and that's why the accountants need to meet with him in that one scene. However, it's still not really explained. Nolan did that better, but this is a nitpick. And additionally, one could say that the voice of Bruce versus Batman isn't that different, but again, that's a fairly nitpick because I could hear a difference. However, if you can't, that can hurt the overall story. But I personally heard the difference in the scene where Batman is racing to Wayne Tower to save Alfred. Now in the sequence, Bruce here is at, again, at his lowest. He almost loses someone close to him. And this puts him on this introspective journey. Prior to this moment, Batman is using fear to stop these criminals and vengeance as a motivator. However, when Bruce saw Alfred in the hospital bed, he was the one that had all the terror. He thought that he had put all the fear behind him after his parents died. But it all came back when Alfred's life was on the line. He couldn't, didn't want to lose the only person that he had left, which then even more so makes his crusade more relatable. He pushes down all of his feelings after his parents' death, but this attack on Alfred really brought them all back again. Adults and children deal with trauma differently. As a child, Bruce didn't get the typical father figure in Alfred, so he processed things differently. He suppressed it to a state where he was numb. However, when he almost lost Alfred, the feelings all came gushing back, which allows him to open his eyes to the possibility that his crusade may need some adjusting. And then the I'm vengeance said by the Riddler follower cemented it. That's why at the end of the film, Batman was no longer vengeance. He's hope. Some would also say that this film is too long with its two hours and 56 minute runtime. While the reason is, is because there's an overall story that has to be told, it's understandable that some do not like sitting for that long on an intense story such as this. Overall though, the Batman is in line with movies which really show a true passion coming from the writers and directors. The film itself was incredible as it featured really top tier acting performances and engaging storyline and honestly a refreshing take on a story that has been somewhat told many times before. Personally, I believe that this is the best live action Batman to date, but it is not as well made overall as The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight to this day is perhaps the best made film when it comes to dealing with the Batman character. As a film, The Dark Knight is a 9 out of 10, but as a Batman film, it struggles. It's true that it has Batman in it, and he is the main character. 
However, there is a big difference between a film that has Batman in it and an accurate Batman film. This film is the latter. And for somebody who appreciates a good character story rather than one that forfeits it for a good story overall, but it is better when they overlap each other. It is above the Dark Knight and Batman Begins to me. The Dark Knight is much bigger in scale in comparison to this. And again, this is not really to compare the two because I would say that it depends really on what you're looking for in a film. They're fairly equal to each other based on preference. However, Mask of the Phantasm is still better than all of them because it has all of the positives of both films plus really none of the negatives. So at the end of the day, the Batman's rating would be... Now, what did you think of the film? Let me know. Hit me up on social media. The formal review is on Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram, and also YouTube. The handle's all the same. It's at the formal review. And for anyone who has supported me on a financial basis, I thank you very much for supporting me in that way. For anyone who wants to support, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash the formal review. Click support this podcast, and any donation is appreciated. Thank you all again for tuning in. And until next time, if you're able to, get vaccinated. And I'll see you at the movies. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Former Review. Cheers, and we'll see you next time.